2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to open up and give an introduction to the book of 2 Corinthians today as we finish now the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. And today's message I titled it, and it's very easy to title given the text that we have in front of us. It's titled, The God of All Comfort. The God of All Comfort. Why is that so important for us to know? Because Paul is going to tell us through the second letter to the church of Corinth that ministry, that life as a Christian believer is not always easy. There are things and plans that are going to change in your life. There are some struggles that you're going to have. But you also have a God that can give you all comfort. Know this, as a Christian, as a believer, as one that would come and put their faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to go through trials, you're going to go through tribulation, but you also will go through triumphs and to victory, and we have that victory in Jesus Christ. Now one of the things that we learn here is that as he's writing the second letter now to the church in Corinth, from the time that he had write the first church to the first letter to the second, during that time span or during that gap, we see that the church of Corinth some of them receive the correction and they receive now the conviction that now Paul was giving towards them. And they received it, said, you know what? We are guilty of being a carnal compromising church. But then there was another portion of that church that said, you know what? We reject this message. We reject this correction. Not only do we reject this, we reject you, Paul, as being an apostle. And a lot of false teachers started to creep in into the church of Corinth. Now what Paul does is he defends himself as being a right, true apostle, a disciple of Jesus Christ, an ambassador and a messenger. And he says, you know what, I'm actually here by the will of God and I'm going to tell you why I'm here and I'm going to explain it and I'm going to prove it by the fact that I've been going through suffering, through trials, through tribulation for the sake of the people. I'll tell you today, in today's world, today's time, there are more now news that you are hearing in regards to now the spiritual warfare involved within the church. And if we don't think that we are involved in spiritual warfare, then we better wake up. Because there's so much spiritual warfare involved. The enemy is looking to steal, kill, and to destroy. And what the enemy wants to do is really to come into our lives and, and to separate us from the love of God, number one, to separate us from the love of God, but also he wants to see us stumble so the other people lose faith in Jesus Christ. Because when the enemy gets you to stumble, guess what happens with those that were looking at your life? Now they're looking at your life and they're losing faith in Jesus Christ because now you have stumbled and you've entered into that defeat. Here Paul is going to explain to us very clearly that Christ is with us. He is the God of all comfort. And He is with us even when we are in tribulation. There are several things that we can learn from 2 Corinthians when it comes to that. Because their issue here that He deals with is the issue of pain. The issue of why is it that the Lord allows pain? Why is it the Lord allows now pain in the life of the Christian believer? A lot of times we ask ourselves, why is it that me, if I'm seeking the Lord, I'm going to church, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, why is it that I have to go through all this spiritual warfare, the anxiety, the depression, the thoughts now? And even now as suicide has crept into the church. Why is it that God has allowed these trials to take place within the Christian believer? And what is it that He wants to teach us through our tribulation? 
See, I want to give you seven points of what you learned through the book of 2 Corinthians so that you would write them down and be reminded of these when you're going through trials and through tribulations because here what Paul does is he now illuminates, he exalts the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, so that when you get to know Jesus, you see what He can do for you through that trial and through that circumstance. Number one, in chapter two, chapter one of Second Corinthians, and what we will learn today is that Jesus is present in tribulation. Write that down, please, church. Jesus is present in every tribulation. Sometimes we think that Jesus is not present in every tribulation, but He's our comforter in hardships. He's our comforter in suffering. He is present in every tribulation. Number two, in chapter two, verse fourteen we learn that Jesus is our triumph. Jesus is our victory. You're going through tribulation right now in your life. You're going through discouragement. You're going through trials. You don't know how you're going to make it. Maybe it's in your mind. Maybe it's at work, at home with a family member. Know this. Jesus is present in every tribulation, number one. Number two, learn this in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, that Jesus is our victory. You're not called to walk or live defeated. Jesus is our victory. But then, in chapter 4, verse 6, he teaches us that even when we're going through our tribulation, to learn that Jesus is our light. Number three, Jesus is our light. You're walking through a very dark season of your life. And you're saying, I, I feel, I see no hope. This is a very dark season in my life where I feel no joy, no hope. That God, I, I felt that He rescued me from the world, from this pain, from the suffering. But now I'm feeling entangled back into it. Well, know this. Jesus is our light. Number four, in chapter 5, verse 19 of 2 Corinthians, we learn that Jesus is our reconciliation. Well, I've blown it. I've stumbled. I've fallen. I've separated. I've been separated from God. I've backslid. I entered into temptation. Know that Jesus is our reconciliation. He reconciles you back into a relationship with the Father. Isn't that amazing? That as you're going through struggle, as you're going through pain, as you're going through tribulation, you know Jesus is there ready to reconcile you now back to the Father. The ministry of reconciliation is so beautiful because of the cross. And I think if it wasn't for Jesus who is ready to reconcile you, your life and the Father together, then we would still be lost. But then we go on in chapter 5, verse 21, we learn, number 5, that Jesus is our substitute. Jesus is our substitute. Maybe you're feeling through pain, through tribulation and suffering that you're guilty of your sin. Well, absolutely we are. But Jesus is our substitute because in 2 Corinthians, it tells us that He went to the cross and He took your place. He was a substitute in your place for your sins and He paid the price in the judgment of our sins. He was our substitute so that me and you can now have forgiveness, freedom, and deliverance from these sins because Jesus went to pay the price for our sins. Jesus is your substitute. Do you understand that? I think one of the things that the enemy tries to do in the life of the Christian believer is to lie to us and let us believe that we are still guilty and that we continue to live in condemnation. That is not the life that God has called us to live. God's not called you to live a life in condemnation. God's called you to live a life now in freedom in the Lord and grace. 
And so many times what the enemy wants to do is come in and, and, and make you feel guilty from your sins or from your errors. But the Lord was our substitute. He was our light. He was our reconciliation. He's our victory. He is present in every tribulation. But then number six, Jesus also in chapter 9 verse 15 of 2 Corinthians, Jesus is our gift. How is He our gift? He's our gift of salvation. Not only is He present in tribulation, not only is our victory, not only is He our light, our reconciliation, not only is He our substitute, Jesus is our gift from the Father. He gave you that gift so that you would receive eternal life. And lastly, in chapter 12, verse 9, when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to truth, when it comes to something that we can hold on to, is in chapter 12 of verse 9, 2 Corinthians, number 7, He tells us that Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our strength. And because of these seven things and doctrines that we learn through 2 Corinthians, we know and we understand what we can do, who we can look to when we're going through tribulation. Look to Jesus because He is very present. You see, Paul, we're going to learn here in this book is that Paul's character, he was very personal. He becomes very transparent in this book. And he teaches us, even him as a Christian leader, as a minister, as a pastor, as an apostle, he becomes very genuine and honest because he loves people. And he tells them as he's genuine and honest that, that we learn that he's the real deal here. Paul, he defended his apostleship against false teachers, but he's a true demonstration and example of suffering. He said, I'm, I'm an apostle not because of success. I'm an apostle because I'm willing to suffer with people. A lot of times we think, you know what, the validity or the credibility of someone that is walking with the Lord is they're blessed beyond measure in their lives and, and they're so successful. But he says, you know what, I'm not going to measure myself to be right with God based off of worldly success. Let me measure myself right with God because I'm going through suffering and I'm handling it the way that the Lord has called me to handle suffering. How can I handle pain? How can I handle suffering? You see, it becomes very transparent. That his life is not perfect. Understand, nobody here is perfect. Nobody here is perfect. And even Paul says, my life is not perfect. I'm going through struggles. But I'm going through struggles for the sake of those that I'm serving. And you know what you learn here in 2 Corinthians? Is that, that for Paul's suffering was not an accident. For Paul's suffering wasn't even a curse. Sometimes we think, Lord, why do you have me here? This is the worst place to be. I'm suffering. I'm going through this pain. But for him, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a curse. Suffering was a divine appointment. Because God, his heavenly father, was in complete control. Do you understand that even when you're going through suffering is a divine appointment? Because God is still in complete control. And sometimes we think, Lord, there's no way that you'd want me here. But God is there in complete control as we're going through trials, as we're going through tribulations. It's been said before, be kind, someone said. For everyone you meet is fighting their own battle. Isn't that so true? We don't know what people are going through. You don't know what the person to the left or your right is going through, what kind of needs that they have. But we are called to love people, to have compassion. And one of the reasons that the Lord allows us to go through suffering is so that we can learn compassion. The reason why God allows you to go through suffering is so not only to you, so you can experience comfort in Him, but also so that you can comfort other people. 
He wants you to learn now suffering so that you have compassion. There's no way that you would ever be able to have compassion for someone if you have not gone through suffering or experienced the comfort of God through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. That's exactly why God allows suffering in our lives so that He can now give us compassion for people. Not only so that He can give us compassion for people, but also so that we can put our confidence in Him. You know what suffering does? It allows you to put your trust, to remove your trust from yourself, your confidence from yourself, and now put your trust and your confidence in God. Because when everything is okay, guess who you have your confidence in? You have your confidence in yourself. But when things start to go wrong, when you start to experience some suffering, some trials and tribulations, guess what the Lord does with that trials? He, may, he allows, He puts you in the position where you now put all your confidence back on the Lord. See, these trials and the tribulations and the struggles, that, that they're not on accident. They're, they're divine appointments so that we can put our trust in the Lord. And finally, the Lord allows you to go through suffering so that you can claim the promises of God. How do you this here need to claim the promises of God? You know what suffering does, what trials do? They allow you to open up the Word of God. They allow you to go into prayer and say, we're claiming the promises of God. Because God has a way of using suffering to now grow now in, in relationship with you. God has a way of using suffering to change your heart, to mold us, to make us more in His image, to have intimate fellowship with Him. And that's what we're going to learn here in chapter 2, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians as he opens up this letter and he's sharing now with the church here this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, notice this, that he opens up with this greeting, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, or at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we pray? Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. And we thank you, God, because Paul is going to teach us how suffering can become a divine appointment on your behalf, Lord, to give us compassion for people, to move our confidence from ourselves so that we can put our trust in you, Lord, so that we can claim the promises of God, Lord. And I ask, Lord, through this now second epistle to the church of Corinth, that we would learn that you are present in every trial and every tribulation, and we're going through every type of suffering, Lord, that we are to go to you. We pray this all in your name, in Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. Amen. Now it says here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. We learn that this greeting is filled with gratitude. How many times is your greeting filled with gratitude when it comes here as you open up to the church or to other believers? This greeting comes with gratitude. As here says, now Paul is writing an apostle of Jesus Christ, one that sent out a messenger, an ambassador now of Christ, an ambassador, one of a different kingdom going to spread or to send this message of the king now. But why is he an apostle now? He's going to defend his apostleship or his calling. And he says this, it's by the will of God. I want you to underline that if you like taking notes, that you would learn that what has God called you to? Are you in the will of God? Because here, it wasn't by desire. It wasn't by pursuit. It wasn't by his own decision that he was an apostle. It was by the will of God. And here we learn that the will of God is the plan of God for Paul's life. He said, I am an apostle because of the plan of God for my life. I'm an ambassador 
for because of God's plan for my life. Now, maybe even next to it, you can ask yourself, what has God called me to do? What has God called me to do? Your name, you put, you know what, whatever your name would be, Mary or John or Mark, whatever it is, a mechanic by the will of God, a teacher by the will of God, you know, one that serves people by the will of God, whatever it would be, one that does maintenance by the will of God. But one of the things that we learn here is that, that Paul understands where God has called him to. What has God called you to, number one? In that verse, we already learned something. What has God called you to? Are you living in the plan of God? Because here wasn't Paul striving. It was God's now will for his life. I'm an apostle. It's not by my desire or my pursuit. It's by the will of God. What has God called you to, number one? But it also tells us this, by the will of God and Timothy. What has God called you to? Who has God called you with? That's amazing too. Sometimes we say, Lord, I know you've called me to do this, but who has God called you to do it with? Now here Paul knows that God called him to do, or be an apostle and messenger to do these missionary journeys with Timothy. And Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. Number one, what has God called you to? Who has God called you to do it with? And where has God called you to do it? It's so important that we have that clear in our minds. If you want to be in the will of God, know what has God called you to do? Who has God called you to do it with? And where has God called you to do it at? Where has God called me to do it at? Who has called me? Who has God called me to do it with? And what is the calling that God has for my life? Because we want to be in the plan of God. Now he goes to verse 2 and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he opens most of his letters with these two words, grace and then peace. Now why does he tell us about grace and then tell us about peace? Because no one here or in the church will ever experience peace. You never will experience the peace of God until you first know the grace of God. Understand that please. You will never know the peace of God until you know the grace of God. And it is the grace of God that leads you to the peace of God. You see, it's not works a works-based relationship with God that gives you peace. It's not you trying to earn a right position with God. It's not you just coming to church that, that, that gives you peace with God. It's not just you saying all the right things that makes you or gives you the peace with God. It's the grace of God that gives you peace in your life. And a lot of times the reason why we don't experience peace in our lives is because we've moved away from the grace of God. Think about the grace of God, what He's done in your life. That it was His goodness. It was His grace. It was His mercy. It was His forgiveness for your life, for our lives, that was willing to take that, that, that cross and the judgment of our sins so that me and you can have eternal life. When you understand how good God is, how gr- full of grace He is, it automatically fills your life with peace. You want peace in your life? Run towards the grace of God. Run towards the grace of God. Because it's not until you experience His grace that you will know true peace. A lot of people in this world are living without peace. As much as they have, they can have money, they can have the houses, we can have the career, the success. You can have everything you ever wanted to. You can have the busy schedule that you've always dreamed about, the career that you've always desired, but you're missing peace because you have not yet ran to the grace of God. You want peace in your life? You're going through a struggle today? 
Are you going through something that's maybe really painful, really hurtful, maybe in your mind or in your life, in your family? Something that you know that you need the Lord is? Go to the grace of God. Remember the goodness of God. But now after verse 2, he says this. Grace to you in peace from God. From who? God our Father. I love how he says, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does grace come from? From God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is not a first, middle, and last name. Some people think that. No. The Lord is His title. That is His title in your life. He's the Lord. The Lord is His title. Now Jesus is His name. And Christ is His mission. Do you understand that? That's amazing when we start to study it. The Lord is, that is the Lord of your life. He is, the, that is your master of your, of your life. That means that that is the title of God over you. My Lord, He's my master. I answer to Him. He is my Lord. He is in charge. He is on the throne. When you see someone that is, is the Lord, have you ever seen now a, a, a movie of, of old times, right? When you see a Lord and someone comes and bows before the Lord, the master... Well, he, that's who Christ is for you. He is your Lord. He is your master. He is now, he deserves now all the supremacy, the authority. Lord, he is the authority. Jesus, that is his name. Christ, that is his mission, the Messiah, that he came to save. You have his title, his name, and his mission. In verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of our all comfort. You see, he opens up here with, with gratitude, this greeting with gratitude, but he also opens this greeting with praise. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father. Praise be to God, our Father. He opens up with praise. He opens up with adoration. He says, Praise be to God. Praise be to our Father. In verse 3, Praise be to God and Father. How is he our Father? Because He adopted you. Because He now redeemed you. Because He paid the price for our sins. And what did He do? He, he, he adopted you into the family of God. Now He is your Father. Praise be to God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I want you to underline that church please. Because He's giving praise to God. The Father of mercies and the God of our all comfort. Now, why can you praise God today? You can praise God as you're going through suffering, as you're going through pain, as you're going through tribulation. You can praise God because He is the source of comfort. Now, the word comfort is a very interesting word because it's the word that means strength or encouragement. Praise be to God because He is my source of encouragement. Praise be to God because He is my source, Christ, of strength. Praise be to God because He's my source of where I now find now encouragement, where I can become brave, where I can draw courage from. Praise be to God, the Father of mercies and the God of our comfort. You know what's the purpose of the church coming together? That we would come together in encouragement, for exhortation. So that we know that, that we can come together and be encouraged with one another through Christ. That's how we've come. You see, when he's saying this in verse 3, he says, Praise be to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In where we find forgiveness, and where we find compassion, and in where we have encouragement. The New Living Translation reads this verse, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. 
and the God of all comfort. How many of us know today that God is a Father of compassion? God is the Father of compassion. And when you're going through struggles, He is the Father that you can go through that has so much compassion. He has so much mercy, but not only does He have mercy, then on top of that, He gives you strength that you need. He gives you comfort that you need. He allows you to become strong when you need it. He gives you courage. He makes you brave in your situation. This is so important that we read it so that we understand what is the ministry now of comfort. What else is the ministry of comfort? The ministry of comfort is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then He said, I'm going to give you and I'm going to send you now the Helper. Right? I'm going to send you the Helper. In John 14 verse 25, He says, These things I've spoken to you, while being present with you. But the helper, understand this, the helper, the Holy Spirit, or the comforter. You see, comfort is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. The comforter, the helper, who gives you strength and encouragement. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know why we need comfort? So that our hearts cannot be troubled. And so that we would never be afraid. So that we replace now that fear that we're living in with the peace of God through the comfort of God. See, this is so amazing as he's introducing this. Because he's saying God is filled with compassion. God is filled with comfort now. And those who experience the comfort of God, those who experience the Holy Spirit in their lives, are those that God is going to use mightily, that God has a specific plan. You see, you know what the value is in suffering? I'll tell you this today. You would say, there's no value in suffering. <laughs> the value of suffering is what you learn in the fire. The value of suffering is what you learn in the fire. Because the pain that you experience today, God will use that pain to help encourage someone else in their trial tomorrow. And we have to understand that. The pain that you experience today is the Lord now giving you comfort because when He gives you comfort from that very comfort now is birth compassion. You know why sometimes we're so quick to pass judgment on people? Because we don't have compassion for their situation. The Lord allows us to go through suffering so that He gives us compassion in our hearts. And compassion allows you to become a little bit more selfless. It's a little bit more selfless and less selfish. Because you've gone through that struggle. That's the value of what God is trying to teach me. Look what He tells us there in verse 3. Blessed be the praise God our Father, the God, uh, the Father of mercies. He who is filled with compassion. He who is filled with all comfort. But what does He do in verse 4? What, what's the purpose of comfort? The purpose of comfort is compassion to others. The purpose of comfort is that we would use it to minister to others. Verse 4, it tells us who comforts us in our tribulation. Please, would you remember that please today? Who comforts us in all our tribulations so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You would ask yourself, how is it that I can comfort that person as they're going through trials? Because God also has demonstrated to be faithful in your life as you are going through trials. And you never know how the Lord uses that suffering. 
How you use it, the Lord uses that pain. And this is how Paul starts this letter with giving praise to God. He's saying, praise be to God who gives me comfort so that then I can extend it to other people. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Not in some tribulation. Not in just spiritual tribulation and not emotional. No, He comforts you in emotional tribulation. He comforts you in physical tribulation. He comforts you in spiritual tribulation that's taking place, maybe mental tribulation, anything, any type of spiritual warfare. He comforts you. He is there to comfort you. Yes, we have now an adversary. It's the enemy. And spiritual warfare is real. But we have an advocate who is much stronger and his name is Jesus. He's always there to defend you and to plead your case. See, what's amazing about this is that in verse 4 he says, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Is there anybody here with some trouble here today? Because I know I am. Is there anybody here with some problems going on in their lives? With some issues? Some struggles that's taking place? That He can comfort us so that we can comfort others with the comfort. Not with your own opinion. Not with your own philosophy. Not with your own experiences. It's with you will be able to comfort others with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by who? By God. You see that word tribulation, it says, Blessed be God that He is able to comfort us in our distress. And He's able to comfort you in your affliction. Did you come with distress today and with affliction? Well, God wants to give you comfort. Did you come tired, maybe weary and distressed in affliction? You see, God uses those moments of suffering... Not only so that we know Him more personally, have fellowship with Him more closely, but so that also we direct other people to Him when they're going through the same issues. We're called to be comforted, not to become comfortable, but so that we can become comforters. Do you understand that? Sometimes we think, Lord, we want you to comfort us so that we can be comfortable. No, the Lord doesn't comfort you so that you can be comfortable. He comforts you so that you can become a comforter to other people. Right? Comfort is a gift that we must be able to give to other people. And when we're willing to share that comfort, it's a reflection of our genuine and sincere faith in the Lord. And that's what he's telling us. The New Living Translation reaches this verse. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. And when they are troubled, we are able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. How many of you guys know that before you can minister to someone else, God has to minister to you? Before he, you are ministered to others, He has to be ministered in your own heart. The Holy Spirit ministers to you, so then He can minister through you. And that's where the Lord wants to spend time with you. Because first He ministers to you, so He can minister through you. And God uses those times of trouble... To teach you to trust Him, right? Because what happens after you trust Him, you become a channel now where you can bless other people. You become now a source of comfort. Comfort, the comfort of God is not simply that He wants to loan it to you, but the comfort of God is, is, is one that we're expected to pass on to others and to not waste it. To not waste it. How many times has God given you comfort but when you see someone in need, then you don't want to now extend that comfort that God is giving to you. You see, what comfort does, it gives you compassion for people. And you can never be any, any blessing to someone until first their need has touched your heart. That's compassion. You can never bring or be a blessing to anyone else until first that need has first touched your heart. Because when that need touches your heart, guess what happens? 
you're wanting to go into mitanid and strengthen them. Now God is there ready to comfort and it tells us this, in all our tribulations, with any trouble, in which we ourselves are comforted by God, verse 5 now, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. That's an amazing promise there. Well, as the suffering abounds and abounds, and if it's not one thing, it's another. If I'm going through this trial, then I'm not going through it. Then I'm going through another. And if it's not at work, then it's at home. And sometimes we feel like we're overwhelmed, that we're drowning in a type of tribulation and trial that we cannot handle. No, here we learn and we see that as the suffering of Christ is abounding in us, as we're learning suffering just as Christ suffered, as we're learning suffering, what suffering means that is, as it's abounding in our lives. And sometimes you feel overwhelmed. Guess what happens here in verse 5? So our consolation also abounds in Christ. Maybe you feel that that suffering is overwhelming. Well, tell, let me tell you this. The consolation that God has available for you is also overwhelming. Do you understand how God now makes that available to you? That is, yeah, you would say, you know what? There's deeper suffering in this area. Well, guess what? With every type of suffering and trial and tribulation, there is comfort available from God. And as we're experiencing now that trial, we're also experiencing suffering. And as we're experiencing suffering, Paul tells us later in Philippians that we're learning fellowship with God because you learn to run with Him more. Paul said, you know what, not only do I want to experience the power in the resurrection, I want to experience some fellowship and suffering. Have you ever felt that the times that you feel closest to God is when you're going through a problem and a trial in your life? Why is it that you feel closer to God through the trial and through the tribulation? Why is it that it takes trial and tribulation for us to feel intimate with the Lord? Because of the fact that we're trusting in the Lord and we're going to Him. We think about the psalmist David. He never shied away from tribulation or for trial. David ran for his life. In fact, David said in Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that amazing here that he's saying, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. A lot of us here today are walking through a valley of a shadow of death right now where you feel like I'm walking through a very dark valley. But guess what? I don't have to fear because I know He's with me. David would have never known that intimate fellowship with God had God not taken him through that valley. And sometimes the Lord allows you to go through a valley knowing that you're going to come out of that valley just so that He can become more closer with you and more personal. But what are you going to do at that time? A lot of times we waste that time. And the Lord wants to become personal with you. He wants to become intimate with you. And here he tells us, just as suffering abounds, so our consolation also abounds. Suffering and comfort go hand in hand. He's teaching us here in verse 5. The more that you know suffering, the more that you will understand the comfort of God. What is in Philippians chapter 3? Do we remember what it says? You know, don't worry about anything. Do not be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for everything that He has done. You, think what, you know what we learn here through now even Philippians chapter 3, 4, I'm sorry? is to be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. 
You want your, your mind and your heart to be guarded right now? Maybe you're going through something and, Lord, I want you to guard my mind from the attacks of the enemy. I want you to guard my heart from the attacks and the tribulation from the enemy. Do you know how that happens? You know how the peace of God guards it? Through prayer. Through prayer. Prayer is the way to guard your heart and your mind. You know what the enemy tries to do? It goes, it goes straight into your mind. It goes straight into your heart. And start to deceive you and to lie to you. And overwhelm you. But now he tells us here, verse 7. Now if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation. Verse 6. If we're going to go ahead and suffer a little bit, it's going to be for your consolation. And if we are, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Now Paul is saying, whether I am now being comforted by God, it's for your salvation. It's an example for you. And I'm being, if I'm suffering for your sake, it's also an example for you. And in verse 6, he says this, if we are afflicted. The word afflicted, I want you to know, it means if we're weighted down with trouble. Have you ever felt like you're weighted down with trouble? Like it's just so heavy, you can't endure anymore. And he's saying, if I'm weighted down with trouble... If I'm so weighted down with trouble, it's only as an example for you. If I'm being comforted by God, on the other hand, it's also an example for you. But what is the example for now the church? Now, if he's weighting down, being weighted down and afflicted, it has now and produces now, and it is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffered. Now he's saying, if I am now suffering, I'm also going to be an example of endurance. Of endurance. It's effective for enduring. Do you know that as you're going through suffering, it's effective or it produces endurance in your life? You would say, man, what a good is this suffering for in my life? It produces endurance in your life. It produces character in your life. And he was willing to suffer for others. And he's saying, you know what? This suffering is effective in my life right now because it's producing now endurance. That word endurance is another word for perseverance. The word now endurance is the spirit. I want, to, I want you to paint a picture here for you. The word endurance is the spirit of a marathon runner. Have you seen those marathon runners run and train? Man, those guys, I mean, they are in so good shape that they are not going to one thing, quit. They're not going to quit because they've learned to train under now pressure. Do you know that under, understand that even in your walk with the Lord, you're going to feel like you want to quit. You're going to want to feel like you want to end it. But we can thank God that He gives us all comfort in all our tribulations so that we are comforted by God and we can extend that same comfort to others because He is present in every tribulation because He's our reconciliation. Because He's our light. Because He's our gift. Right? And here He's telling us now in verse 6, if we're afflicted, it's for endurance. It's for that perseverance. It's that example so that when you see us endure, guess what? You also endure as well. It's always too soon to quit. And we can patiently endure together. Nobody had it easy. Paul didn't have it easy. Everyone was going through a spiritual warfare. But our endurance encourages other people to endure. Understand that. Everyone here is going through something. You sometimes, we come to church sometimes and we think, it's only me that I'm going through everything. Everyone else's life is perfect. I'll tell you it's not. But when they see you endure going through your trial, it's going to produce in them also endurance. It's going to encourage them to endure. Finally, verse 7. 
And our hope, what is the hope here that he has? Is for you steadfast. We are fully confident now. We're steadfast. Now, first we're enduring. Now we're steadfast. We're fully confident. Because we know that as you are partakers of suffering, we're fully confident because we know just as you will partake of suffering, so also you will partake of consolation. Just as we know that you will partake of suffering, we also know that you will partake of consolation, right? Paul here is saying, I'm not running away from suffering because I'm trusting God in the process. He comforts me. I'm trusting God in the process that He makes now compassion available to me. And that's what exactly what He wants us to learn, to run to the comfort, to the strength that comes from the Lord. How many of us have here have come with needs today? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Amen. Look at all around us. We've all come with needs. That's exactly why we need the Lord. Because we need the comfort of God. We need the comfort of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We pray right now, Lord, your spirit would heavily be upon us, Lord. Maybe you have us in a season in life where we're, we're struggling, God, and we're going through it, Lord. Let us understand, Lord, that you have us here, Lord, to teach us compassion. To teach us what it means to love people truly. We thank you, Lord, because there is purpose in suffering and trial and tribulation. And Lord, the, the purpose of comfort is that you would give us compassion. The purpose of comfort is that you would, let, Lord, allow us to put our trust in you. Lord, the purpose of comfort is that we would claim the promises of God. And that you have a plan in our lives, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would continue that plan, Lord. In Jesus' name.